Uh, welcome everybody. This is the Drunk Up Podcast. This is Michael Scott here with Nelson Rodriguez, and we got uh, Mike McLean, Big Mike. What's up, medical. guys? Thank you for having me. Appreciate uh, you. It's actually uh, what medical Mike. Medical Mike. Oh, I, I always heard that. Big Mike. That's all I ever heard. <laughs> yeah, I Honestly, and it is so funny too because most of the time, people at the medical Mike part, it kind of just stuck because that's just how I answer the phone, and so people will call. Hi, this is Diane. Who am I speaking with? Oh, this is Medical Mike. How can I help you? <laughs> and so, pretty much, it just kind of stuck from there. And this—that's people usually call me that or Big Mike, one of the two. But I am working on being Medium Mike right now. <laughs> I want to look like a version between Michael Scott and Nelson Rodriguez, just nice and tight. That's my—that's my goal. That's yeah, you said uh, you said uh, you had lost a, a bit of weight. Yeah, man, I absolutely I did. And the Big Mike came from me being three fifty. Well, no, the big mic really actually came from your presence, seeing the big, uh, the big muscles, and it's like he's all uh, pers- big personality. I, 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 well, uh-huh. I appreciate oh, yeah. you guys. You guys are awesome, man. And, and honestly, I I just have a good time. I love being around people and talking to people, but and I love to laugh too. Uh, but the three fifty that carried over from football because when you stop playing football, you still eat like you're playing football, mm. and you know it's just hard on the joints and stuff like that. And so uh, right now, currently, I'm trying to work on my mature mic mode and trying to spelt down, <laughs> and uh, just try to stretch out life and make quality of life a little better. And uh, um, trying to chase the grandkids around right now because I got four beautiful grandkids, so uh, that's, that's nice. And uh, being 350. It's hard to chase after him, but being 280 right now, I'm like, oh, yeah, you didn't think I could catch you, did you? Oh, yeah. Pops is right here, ready to go. That's what you, what you do to lose all that weight. Yeah. Actually, what I did was um, I actually stopped eating so late at night, um, and then the carbs were really big. Started incorporating more vegetables in, in my meals, um, lean proteins. Not as much red meat, believe it or not. Really? Yes. A lot more seafood, uh, which has been, it makes me feel really good. Because like, if I eat red meat now, I just find that I get kind of bogged down, get kind of tired. Um, but, but chicken, turkey, fish, um, I do a lot better with fish the best. I just feel awesome. Well, I have a good steak, and I don't mind being a little bogged down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, believe me, I do get it in there every now and again. But you're right. It's, it's not near what it used to, man. It's just uh it's all about quality of life now and just trying to pay attention to living a little longer and, you know, just trying to be a little healthy and, and just uh, just trying to watch some things, man. So I'm around for a little while. And you have a wife and how many kids? Huh? You have a wife and how many kids? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yes, my wife for 31 years, Christine McLean. She's a Fort Wayne Community Schools teacher. Um, and we have two girls, um, Olivia. She's 31 years old. Um, she taught at Southside for the past two years. And now she's got her first principal job. I'm pretty, very proud of her. She's wow. in Toledo, Ohio, wow. and she's in teaching one of the Toledo public schools there. She's just starting that this year. Um, and then our youngest, Camille, she's 26. Um, she did hair for a little while, and she didn't care for that too much. She did it for a couple of years, and then she worked in a doctor's office, thought she wanted to be a nurse. Then she decided, ah, I don't like the side of blood. Dad, I can't do what you're doing. <laughs> and so now she's working for MKS. She's a financial consultant assistant there, and they're working with her to kind of get her more involved in uh, HR type things so she can talk to clients for potential work projects. Good, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she likes it. Yeah, it's really good. And so she has our youngest, Camille, she has uh, one, one of our grandchildren, Kanan, he will be eight coming up this July. And then our other three grandkids, Evelyn, uh, she's nine. She just turned nine in May 15th. And then Woody uh, just turned four this past February. And then Ludo 
our youngest guy, I know it sounds like Luda. My daughter, she'd kill me for saying this, but it's Ludo, L-U-D-O, not Luda like Ludacris. Um, <laughs> it, it's Ludo, and uh, he just turned one in January. Oh, he's a cute little guy. Hey, you can I still do him. that. I, I, oh, hey, I do, too. Yeah. She looks at me like this. I'm like this. Okay. <laughs> it's just one letter off. It's just one. She's like, you know he's going to get it when he gets older. I'm like, yep. yeah. It's Better get used to happen. it now. Oh, yeah. I'm just trying to get you ready. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mike has a, a little one now, too. Oh, big Mike. How, how, how yeah. old? Uh, nine months tomorrow i think oh congratulations yeah. brother that's Thanks. awesome yep. yeah babies are beautiful man yeah. they're a blessing they are Z, awesome. you get to hand yours off though oh yeah <laughs> he, he Honestly, oh man because <laughs> you tell them the truth like we'll have them over spend the night mm-hmm. and whew, man because they get up early they go to bed late pops you guys ready to get up let's go eat some pancakes let's eat some cereal let's watch some cartoons <laughs> and it's like it's 6 30 yeah. oh my gosh and boy when they go back well we sleep good even yeah. the dogs our dogs are like just whoo because it's gone jesus <laughs> yeah. yeah man it's fun though man like, it's a blast. we all know you as medical mike or big mike because when, when i usually see you i usually call you big mike but we all know he's a medical mike mm-hmm. but can you tell us a little bit about your football career and- yeah, absolutely brother. oh yeah absolutely thank you brother um yes um actually i'm originally from toledo ohio um got a football skip to Got, had a football scholarship to Ball State from Ohio. Um, I was All-State football there in high school, and I was state champion in discus. And uh, What position did you play? Oh, tackle both sides, okay. both sides of the ball, offense and defense. Um, and uh, Ball State was one of the D1 schools that offered me. I had a lot of D2s, D3s, Youngstown State, Finley, uh, some schools up in Michigan. And uh, took Ball State because they could play D1 competition, so I thought it was the, it was the best fit for me at the time. What I didn't realize is, and I'm probably going to catch some flack for this because since I'm from Ohio, I'm a Buckeye fan. (laughs) And not everybody in Indiana are Buckeye fans, as you well know. Mm -hmm. And so it's very popular when I talk about the Buckeyes and go Bucks. So <laughs> anyway, uh, the track people coach. People go love you for that. <laughs> hey, hey, that's why I said it. Hey, hey, medical Mike, I still love you guys. Um, no, uh, but this, the track coach for Ohio State came and offered me a full ride after I took my football scholarship because I won state and discus. Wow. And I told the coach, I said, I'm going to have to respectfully decline because – I've already accepted a, a ride to Ball State in football. He's like, oh, dude. He said, man, I said, coach, if I knew you were coming, I'd have waited. Mm-hmm. He said, that was my dream to just play at Ohio State. I don't care if it was track, football, I didn't care. You know, just from when I was a little guy. But, uh, no, it was fantastic, man. It was a blessing because I met the missus there uh, first year at Ball State. Uh, we've been together 31 years. Beautiful woman. Um, just the, the best partner you could ask for. Um, and she's uh, still with Foreman Community Schools now. She did. Uh, 24 years pre-K, the four or five-year-old guys, and I would take vacations sometimes to go on field trips with them and stuff. It was yeah. a lot of fun going to the pumpkin patch and apple orchard, and it was really cool. And uh, yeah, uh, so she's just switched over now. She's doing special ed, and she's done that for the past two years. And now she's at big switch. Now she's at Nebraska. Nebraska is you've had to do something wrong at your parent high school in order for you to get to her school really? so you don't get to her school unless you've done something I see. it's not like oh I, I want to go to nebraska because that's a great academic and they got some smart kids there but you know smart kids make mistakes too right so um you know from gun charges to physical battery you know she has these kids there and there's a you know just it's amazing how the community uh, 
in dealing with them and working with them and talking to some of the single parent homes because my mom was a single parent mom and she didn't have the money to send me to school. So it was either it was going to be the military for me or go play college football. That's the only way I'd be able to afford to go to college. And so it worked out pretty good. And uh, usually once we, uh, we figured out, you know, being at Ball State and how things would work in terms of her going to school and me going to school. Um, we got married second year in to school, and then third year after that, we had our daughter Olivia, our first baby. We had her in married housing at Ball State, and we stayed there uh, throughout my uh, career, my academic career and athletic career, and our scholarship paid for that. Um, so that was a blessing. And then left there because my wife's from Fort Wayne. She went to Northrop High School. We came back here with her parents because they could help us with Olivia. While I was going to nursing school because I got my first degree in exercise science and then got my second degree from St. Francis here in town. I got my four-year degree done in two years. I just went year-round just to try to get done as quick as possible. Sure. And uh, once we did that and graduated from there, it's funny how life works. Uh I actually wasn't supposed to be a nurse at General Motors. I actually was supposed to uh, run the gym that was supposed to be built in the plant. And so that was supposed to be where the now in uh, GA in the atrium area where the restrooms are at, the men's and women's locker room, there was supposed to be a gym in that area. Oh, right. Yeah, so they were going to tear that down, put a gym over there, and so I was supposed to be the wellness coordinator. And so Rick Wilde, who was our supervisor at the time, he hired me on the nurse. He said, hey, man, you know, we'll keep you on as a nurse here in medical. And, you know, when that gets built, you just run that. Well, as we all well know, it didn't get built. You know, they started giving uh, stipends, you know, and, and monies for us to go to gym memberships uh, throughout the year. And so that never came to fruition. But... When the bankruptcy hit in 2008, 2009 for General Motors, one of the first positions they got rid of was the wellness coordinators. Yeah. Yeah, so you have a lot of GM facilities that have gym facilities in them still, but they're not run by anybody. So um, it was a blessing that uh, things work out. Guy works in mysterious ways and uh, kept me on as a nurse there, and it's been uh, one of the best things ever. Um, I love helping people. Um, it's just, uh, it's gratifying to be able to have somebody have confidence in your ability to help either empower them, educate them, or help them understand things about their health or things that, that will help them so they have a better quality of life for them and their family. So it's What good. year did you come in to do the wellness uh, coordinator job? Uh, came in, it was two, gosh, when did I come in? I came in at, excuse me, I'm sorry, I had to think back for a second because I've been here 26 years now. So I'm getting old here. Uh, it was, I got out of there, because I'm getting my dates, we unionized in 2000. 96. So, 96, then? thank you. Wow. Yes, 96. And the plant opened in 86, so yeah, it was about the plant's been up almost a decade before uh, I got in. And I came in as a contract worker initially, um, and this is where the union's a blessing uh, for me, um, as it has been for a lot of us. When we got unionized in 2000, I was a contract worker for interim health care up until that point. And I was doing some moonlighting at Parkview and some moonlighting at St. Joe Hospital. And um, just did that, and it was nice, um, just because I was trying to give myself a well-rounded experience where I was doing occupational health, is what you call working in a, a plant or, you know, or a facility or an assembly area, opposed to traditional, normal medical settings in a hospital. You got med surge, you got neuro, you got diabetic, you got ICU, critical care, burn unit, ER. I did a little bit of all those things. Okay. And so it's really helped out a lot with my exercise science background 
in terms of kind of holistically helping me look at things from different perspectives and um, and helping people when they do have some of these things, whether it's a work-related thing or a non-work-related thing, but just how the human body heals the injuries and the things that can cause later on in life and the rehab part of it too and how they can make themselves better. So uh, that's been fun. I really do enjoy that. So I think that uh, the exercise science has been a good blend for my uh, nursing career as well. Now, be it that you guys are unionized. Now you yes. went from all that, being here since 96. Yes, sir. And now you're chairperson for your unit. Yes, sir. Yeah. How long have you been the chairperson? I've been chairperson since 2000. Okay. Um, Larry uh, Gaff, um, God bless that man. He's uh, he's retired now, and he's uh, enjoying retirement with his wife. Uh, they run uh, Honey Lake, which is like a primitive lake ground, campground, and uh, they're up in Bronson, Michigan. And uh, he's the reason uh, that we got unionized because he approached um, our current shop chairman, uh, Richie Letourneau, and Mark Orr, um, at the time with, uh, you know, wanting to unionize and how could we do that? Because right now, as a lot of people have seen, a lot of factories, a lot of businesses are going toward third-party groups. They're going toward contract groups. It seems to be a trend in, in order to be cost-effective or, or, excuse me, what businesses use as being competitive. Um, medical is no different. Um, right now we have, you know, basically 53 facilities. Um, of those 53 facilities, seven of them are unionized with medical nurses, GM nurses. There are only 53 GM nurses in the total corporation period. The rest are contract. Wow. Yeah. So if you think about it, you know, with ours being over 4,000 employees and us having two full-time nurses each shift, we have 14 part-time nurses at our facility, you know, filling in for vacations, bereavement, training. Um, and then you take that with several other facilities like we have Wentzville. Uh, they're unionized. Um, so is Lansing, Lansing Delta. They're unionized. Um, three of the uh, New York plants, they're unionized uh, with Tonawanda, Rochester, and Lockport. Um, you have DHAM, Factory Zero, unionized there. And then Romulus, they're unionized as well there. And then also, last but not least, the engineers, uh, the guys that actually make the vehicles for General Motors. Uh, just a little under 300 of those guys are unionized as well. Wow. Yes, and so... Brother Nelson just talked about, you know, us being union and then uh, participating in a lot of our union activities, including negotiations um, for our, our master's salary agreement. That was an honor, and uh, it is, uh, the union's just been a bl nothing but blessings. It continue to be a blessing for me and my family and, and for a lot of us going forward because it gives us a voice in the workplace, and that's what we need because there's a lot of things that need uh uh, they need to be, for lack of a better term, transparent. Uh, there's some accountability that comes along with it. You know, people matter. And the only way we make people matter is to let the people speak. A lot of people out there don't realize it either. They're, they don't realize or acknowledge at times because sometimes it's about them. But they don't realize or acknowledge sometimes that you are union brothers. Yes. You are union sisters. Yes. You are you're part of us, period. Thank you. Thank and you. And regardless of your outcome, you know, you're still our union brothers and sisters. Absolutely. And a lot of people, and thank you for saying that, Nelson, because I think a lot of people get either um, either disenchanted sometimes or they may not get service as quick as they'd like uh, to. And believe me, we want to help everybody and everybody as quick as we can. But do it the right way to where people feel like they got what they needed from us. Now, um, how many people, you said each shift, you you have two nurses on each shift and yes. you don't have any other support besides 
No. There's just two nurses on each shift. So the 14 uh-huh. contract, that's just to uh, help fill in uh, absences? Uh, yeah, no, the 14 people are actually GM employees, mm-hmm. so they are actually fall within our umbrella of being union people. Okay. Yeah, um, so because uh, we don't have any contract folks. Okay. Uh, they're just, they're all SO, what they call them SOCs. They even call some of the some of the workers out there like flex people. or uh, okay. Yeah, actually, but they're actually GM employees. Okay. So they're actually our folks. But, uh, yeah, most of those guys actually work at, like, neighboring hospitals. Like, most of them work at Lutheran mm-hmm. or Parkview. And then they come in and work with us and um, fill in for, like, we will project our schedule out for, like, a couple months. And okay. then they'll put in, fill in for what they can fill in with their schedules permit. Yeah. So some of them have been with us. Like, one of our longest-standing part-time people is a fireman, actually. Uh, Joe Hoffman, he's been with us 23 years. Wow. Yes, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. Now, Great dude. kind of want to get into the COVID Yes. Because we know how things keep on changing and changing. Oh, so man. can yes, you ter- tell us the current, you know, like, first off, my wife would like to thank you for all your help. Oh, but she had absolutely. COVID. Oh, well, but, uh, she's doing okay? Yeah, she's doing good now. Good. She's doing really good. Good. But can you tell everyone else, and, and mind you, people had third shift, second shift, first shift. Can you tell us a little bit? What's a good time to call in? Just a little bit about the protocol and what your responsibilities as medical is, sure. and what you what you guys are. Absolutely, no, bro. That's an excellent question because you're right. CDC has changed some of their guidelines, the state officials, and uh, with regards to that, you know, they try to leave some flexibility for some employers to do some things a tad bit differently. But by and large, most of it's the same. The timeframes around COVID and people being off, whether it's a COVID quarantine, meaning you're exposed to it, but don't have it, but maybe a family member or friend exposed you to it. And so the quarantine's done to see if you're going to convert over to a positive status. So you try to put people out so that obviously we don't want the spread so uh, that's of the done. infection. That's done. Uh, so we're still doing that, but the time frame instead of being eight days, now it's five days. And if you have COVID or you're COVID positive, because um, GM, um, if you do like a home, home COVID test, um, we, GM doesn't take home COVID tests. You have to go to a licensed testing facility like a CVS, Walgreens, mm-hmm. or walk-in clinic. You test positive. You have to be out at least five days. You can return on day six. That's the policy. But you don't have to because it's treated like a regular sick leave. Mm-hmm. So your doctor actually has charge of how long you, you can be out. Um, and depending on what the person's health are and their symptoms are, if you have other underlying health conditions, you know, all that plays a part in it. So, because I was told the first two days is given to you by GM so you could get your testing. That is correct, but it is a people, let me, let me say it this way because I'm glad you brought that up. You can get paid up to three days if it takes three days for your test results to be available. Okay. Right. So because the biggest thing is when they were we were getting slammed and our community was getting slammed with COVID, it was hard for these labs to process right. testing fast enough. So there would be a lag of like three days. It sometimes could be even four or five mm-hmm. because the testing volume was just so big. Now that our, our, our rates are low, um, test turnaround is usually anywhere from a rapid, if you do a rapid test, to where if you do a PCR, because we actually had somebody yesterday that tested negative on their, their rapid test, which is done like 15 minutes. And then they tested positive on their PCR, which is like 24 to 48 hour test. Mm-hmm. Because then the virus in that, you can see how its, it's trajectory spreads in the system. Yeah. This is why the quarantine exists, because you want to see if somebody's going to convert or not. And so rather than take the chance of, eh, they shouldn't be, they seem pretty healthy. Some people are contagious as heck, um, but they feel fine. Now, people that are around people or mm-hmm. feel like they have symptoms, right. but they're not, they don't have COVID yet. Right. What kind of advice do you give them? 
Right. Yeah. The biggest thing is with the age that we're in right now and the concerns for you know, your neighbor, for your coworker and their families is if in doubt you feel something different or something's a little off, uh, I would just go ahead and test just to be on the safe side. Because some people, let's face it, they have allergies and they may not feel any different than what their allergies than they normally do in any given year. Unfortunately, with this virus, you know, you can feel perfectly fine and still have it and spread it and be contagious. And I give people the example of most of the time, if you know somebody with the flu, very rare you're going to hear somebody say, hey, Mike Nelson, I got the flu, man, but I feel great. It doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, but with this thing, you can actually be like, say you're going to get a surgery done and they're just testing you just as a pre-COVID test and you're positive. Surgery gets canceled. You have to wait and you feel perfectly fine. That's the difference between this virus, and it just acts like a different animal. It's just different. As far as coming to the plant, like, it's like some people, they think or feel that they have the symptoms, they don't need to go to work. Right. But now they have to go to work, isn't it, until you get a test? Right. Or you report to medical, right. and then you get your test? What happens is, and, and this, thank you for saying that, too. That's a great question. The screening process is huge. Um, and what I mean by that is exposure um, vaccination status, um, when the last time you had it, because once you test COVID positive, this is why you don't have to have a COVID test once you test positive coming back. You can test positive for several days to weeks afterwards. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's not necessary to get a retest. Whereas if you've been quarantined because your wife, say hypothetically your wife had it, you were exposed to it, so you're off, you know, five days before you come back on day six, you got to get a test to see if you're going to test positive or negative. If you're negative, you can come back on day six. If you're positive, so now you've been out your quarantine time. Now you got to be out the active COVID positive time too. So, and this is why we take people through the scenario. Okay, have you had it before in the last 90 days? Have you been vaccinated? Have you been boosted? You know, do you have any symptoms? When did they start? Who are you around? You know, family members or friends? Yeah, have you been anybody, that, anybody that's had COVID recently? Once we go through all those scenarios, then we can start narrowing down exactly what buckets you fall into. And bottom line, just call medical, right? Straight uh, up. Well before yes. it's time for you to clock in. And, and we've had people do that, and people are fantastic. They'll just call, hey, you just, I just want to know what the protocol is because I don't think so, but I'm thinking, I'm like, if in doubt and you're calling me right now, you probably should go get tested because it's concerning you enough to do right. it. So just to do the precautionary thing because that'll – your family members will also thank you. Your grandparents, if you see them, will thank you. And your coworkers and their families will thank you, too. We don't want people coming into work sick. Um, and, and that's not happening like it used to, where people felt like they had to come in or sick. It's like, just call medical. And I uh, implore people to please be patient with us. We only have two phone lines in the medical. And especially on day shift, they're extremely busy because we have not only, you know, off-shift people calling us and just asking for advice or questions just as this, which are very good questions. There's, there's no bad questions because we want people to have information because information is, is, is what gets you through. Um, but we have HR calling us production people because, you know, it's, it's amazing how this thing has impacted production to where production people are calling us now saying, hey, look, is brother so-and-so or somebody coming back because, you know, I thought they were supposed to be back today and they're not back yet. And so, because manpower is just that bad Monday and Fridays. Um, so um, we're just a huge information highway for people, which we'll gladly do, but you know, it's just kind of hard sometimes. Well, I've called medical three times and I can't get through. And you know, it, you know the person was upset. They sound like they're real frustrated on the phone. It's, you know, people do have bad days and I apologize too if, if anybody has those experiences, but you know, 
people are people and they have off days, but um, by and large, most of our people there are there to help and, and make sure you have all the information you need so we can take care of you and, and your family and, and take care of people at the plant. So we want that to happen. Not only those things, but we had talked about this off before we started recording that you guys also are processing all the new hires coming in. Oh, or not the new hires, but the, oh, yes. all the walk-ins, right? You guys have to process oh, all of them. Man, thank you for saying that, Mike. Uh, yes, that's the other thing. Um, with us in our, our limited uh, capacity, we have been asked by the plant because manpower is such an issue mm. um, that now instead of we start off originally with testing people every Wednesday. This has been going on for years, um, testing people every Wednesday for um, off the street hiring um, and doing drug screening physicals. That's gone to and morphed to now uh, the plants asked for two days. So now they're doing it Wednesdays in the morning from 8 to 12. And now they're doing it 2 p.m. till 7 on Thursdays. Now, <laughs> the plants has asked for an additional day, so now they want three different time frames open so that people can just, you know, stop in and, you know, hey, I want to apply, and it's like a one-stop shop. HR does their thing, and they process you to whatever processes they need to do, and then, boom, they take you right over to medical um, to get the, uh, now it's a saliva test. These are fairly new for us in the past month where we test you for everything except the THC marijuana stuff. All the tests are on there with the PCP stuff, methamphetamines, all those drug profiles are on there. Uh, saliva test is done in a couple minutes. If you test positive, then we offer you just to double check that, that test if it's positive with a hair drug screen on top of it. You don't have to do it. Obviously, you've tested positive, and most people just decline doing the hair drug screen because it's like, okay, if I tested positive with the saliva, I'm probably going to test positive with the hair. Yeah. So, But, yeah, that's our process right now currently. So what are you, what are you trying to do to, to employ more nurses? Right. Right now, uh, the biggest thing is GM's on a hiring freeze for salary. Um, why they're doing that, they really haven't given us a good explanation. We've talked to health services leadership, and believe it or not, health, health services leadership is saying it's coming from – Mary Barra and Phil Kinley and those big execs at that top level. So it's not really even them doing it. It's they've been told, you know, just pause it. So no additional engineers, no additional medical people, um, any salary hiring that you have to do, just pause it. So, um, and we don't know how long that's going to last right now. So far it's been on for a couple of months. So point to the point where the nursing supervisor that we had, Tiffany Grogan, who just got promoted, they gave her a promotion, but they paused her promotion for a couple months because the hiring freeze was on. So you need employees in one place, and you're struggling to get them in one place, but, yeah, you got a hiring freeze in another place because our, our health isn't as important to some certain individuals yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know than, than that line running, right? Brother, you're going to get an amen on that. Yes, yes, it's the truth. And it's just it's so odd with us being – with our careers being in General Motors, and you've seen how – you know, the work conditions have changed, you know, and our products have changed and the work environment, how they, you know, retool and, you know, shut down and, and build back up. But the product is still hot. People want it out there. But, you know, with no fault of our own, a lot of the business decisions that are made are, are not up to our members and to us, but it's to the company. And, you know, we don't have control over those things. Um, the manpower issue, I think that could be improved. Um, if you incentivize people a little differently than what they have been. Um, and I think you'll get people that are more vested in being there opposed to some of the turnover issues we're having now. It's just my personal opinion, obviously, um, in seeing it. But, you know, and just talking to some of the leadership, 
um, locally at the plant as well as the international level and some of the other chairmen and some of the leadership at other facilities, uh, they agree that we have to do things differently and if we're going to do uh, be successful and do well. Um, we can't continue the trend that we're doing right now because it's, it's tough enough working at an assembly plant. I mean, you know your body's got to break down, period. Absolutely. But then when those 3% gains hit, and then they're just overloading and overloading, and then, then yes. you're seeing more people coming oh, into medical. Oh, my goodness. We're hurting. Oh, my you know, goodness, yes. And that's, and, and that's the part, too, where you talked about um, in talking to uh, the medical department. We understand that you guys are hurting. I mean, you guys are like industrial athletes. You're out there you know, beating your body up, working nonstop in some of those areas. And some jobs, obviously, are worse than others. Um, so they're going to beat you up quicker. Chassis jobs, those jobs are you know, working in the pit or working underneath, anything working overhead. You're pulling down stuff on a repetitive basis every, every minute. Um, you know, you're just on a time clock. And you know, the, body, the human body wasn't designed to do that. And I hate to say it, even professional athletes don't move to the degree that you guys do five, six, seven days a week. I mean, there's a downtime, you know, there's, there's some recovery. You guys don't have a whole lot of that, especially when they're overloading you and they're taking help away. And yeah, have a straight eights. Straight, yeah, exactly. It doesn't help you at all. There's you know, no downtime. Recoup. No. And if you don't recoup, what happens? If you don't maintenance your machine and you don't recoup, you know, there's no downtime, the machine breaks down at some point. It's got to. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to talk another thing about um, Ken, Kenny Keller. He had a passed away a few years ago. Yeah. And uh, J-Doc. And yeah. I worked with him for quite some time. As, a, as I was his team leader for quite some time. And there was a lot of a lot of rumors, a lot of stuff out there. And and it did take quite some time for response, for him to get some response. Yes. You know, so he ended up passing away. Yes. And now we can place blame on so many different areas, right? Because we work for GM and we know we're there just to work. Yes. You know, and we're, we're, we're given a number mm-hmm. and we're given an assignment and we're expected to do it. Yes. Anything other than that, you know. Right. But uh, can, you, can you give explain to us or give us some about the response and maybe why it just didn't happen the way it should have? And sure. what have we done right. to improve that? Right. Absolutely. The biggest thing right now is response time for General Motors. There, there's a standard practice of... The goal is to respond to an emergency anywhere in that plant is four minutes. That's the goal. To be, once you're called and it's toned out, whether a person calls on the floor or security calls it, whoever, is to be to that emergency or to that scene in four minutes. Now, mind you, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn. I think we have less carts than we used to have. They've pulled a lot of those, because medical used to have their own cart. They took that away. Um, they took away some of the skill trades carts so now we don't even have a vehicle it's just on foot so paint body is just not a foreseeable thing for us to respond to and get there in a four minute time frame it's just not going to happen Um, so we're relying on security uh, who has the carts and now thank goodness we have first responders which are our own uaw members that are trained um, uh, with first responder training and medical training um, to respond and help assist security and medical and be in the eyes and ears out there and to hopefully be on scene a little faster so we can achieve that four-minute goal. That has been very, very helpful um, and beneficial to our members and also response time because what we're finding out now is that we can get information quicker. Uh, with security, there has been uh, there's some great people in there. Um, some of them have uh, uh, medical experience outside of 
uh, their normal job occupation, but they work for fire departments, they work in the hospitals. Um, but some of them are so new, they don't know where the things are in the plant and locations. Mm-hmm. And this plant is not small. Exactly. And so you tell somebody that an area to reach is North Loke and actually is South Loke, um, you've just added on another four or five, six minutes. Um, now that we have first responders in designated key areas, um, now in GA, that just started happening in the past six months, and then um, we have them in paint and body, very, very beneficial in terms of response time, information given to medical, because now um, we have not just one tier of medical protection out there in eyes and ears, we have two. So then if security is still responding or just getting to the situation, we may have somebody that was already in the area already, that's a TC or something that's already trained, giving it to me on the radio. I'm like, okay, what do you got? Is the person responsive? Are they talking to you? Did they pass out? Is there any blood? Can they move? Can they stand up? Can they can answer any questions? Once you start getting those things, you, as a medical professional, you start making the determination of whether or not EMS needs to be involved or you know, outside medical assistance or ambulance needs to come and render aid to get them to an ER. So that's the whole point of having that communication, and it's been so beneficial having first responders, and I think we're gonna to continue to reap those benefits, having our members out there being trained like that, being in assistance, because now you have double coverage of trying to meet that four-minute standard goal, which is for uh, emergency medicine is like a gold standard type thing. My coworker called, she was uh, feeling ill, and mm-hmm. we didn't know whether it was COVID or what, or sure. her, she felt like it was her heart. And they called the response team out. The response team came out within minutes. And I was just there thinking, I'm looking, and they, they're, they're just great with her. Oh, they're phenomenal. amazing with her. Phenomenal. And uh, security rushed out, you know, and they were running, sweating. You know, mm-hmm. they came out, and everybody was just great. They were talking with each other. Absolutely. You know, and speaking with each other, and it was great. But then I was thinking, man, that could have happened to Kenny. And it's sad that yeah. we, it's in their contract for these response teams. And it's yeah. sad that GM doesn't react until something happens. You're right, you and know? that's what drives it. And it, you're right, brother. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. You are absolutely correct because some other plants have those response teams. They have them. I mean, they had them in De- Defiance. They had them there with some of those guys are just unbelievable responders. We've got some of those guys here, actually. And so they brought that knowledge and those, those experiences to us that have been beneficial for us to get our program up and running because Dad McAllister, uh, him and, and – uh, Plant leadership, Cherry Wine in specific, have been huge champions in trying to get some of those things going. And anything these guys need, so our plant physician, Dr. Steve Price, we're just going above and beyond what we need to do to make sure we have the best scenario chance of making sure a good patient outcomes happen for our members. And as you need, just said right be, now, we need to be more proactive active. than reactive. Yes. And it's, yes. you know, being here for 20-something years, it's just, it's just, come on. It is. It, it, it's almost like the federal government, too. It's like you can talk about it until you have either a good business case of why this should happen, it's affecting their pocketbook, or something significant bad happens, then they, you're right, they want to respond, and it shouldn't be that way. Unfortunately, that's the, the hand we're dealt, and those are some of the people we deal with. And now we're doing CPR for our first responders. We're doing CPR for all, yes. a lot of the members on the line. Wonderful. And that's a great thing, too, because oh that could have yes. been a life save. And not, not only that, not only here, but also outside of here at a baseball game, you know, mm-hmm. somebody's family member, you know, you can render aid there. I mean, a good Samaritan. I mean, this the carryover to not just our plant and our members, but their families in the community is just – 
the benefits are huge. Yeah. Yeah, you really yeah. can't lose with it. Now, I was going to ask you about the paint and body. Oh, about, you yes. know, nurses being a paint and body. But you kind of a little bit of answer to that. But if you want to. Yeah, sure, absolutely. And elaborate, elaborate that a little bit at that point. Um, I think the need is there for it, obviously, because it's such a far reaching area to where um, people who have uh, issues where they want to just ask some questions to medical or they want to come over to medical. So maybe they just want to, you know, bounce something off from have them look at something. You know, that opportunity is not as readily available because of the time frame. I mean, it ties people up, TCs and ROs on the line and just the time glut of getting to medical, which is like 15, 20 minutes, depending on if they are on foot or if they can get a ride there. Then to actually get seen and treated and evaluated, you know, which is another, you know, half hour and then bringing them back. I mean, you're talking about an hour and a half, you know, potentially, um, which is not uh, really good for line work in general and people, you know, TC freeing him up and be able to get bathroom breaks and all those type of things, just normal work processes. So some of the places like Arlington Assembly and Lansing, uh, they have satellite medicals where far-reaching areas have a satellite facility where they have a nurse or two there just for that very reason so they can have some kind of medical um, assistance there or support there so they can ask questions or have medical look at something or you know just have some uh, medical hands on deck um, it, it's just beneficial for our members and i think it bodes well benefits wise for the company as well but as you said before unless there's some compelling argument or something significant or catastrophic happens there's nothing to move the people with the pocketbooks to actually do it. Um, so it, it's sad um, because you, you shouldn't have to articulate safety like that. But and you expected two nurses on each shift to take care of somebody that's heart's feeling a little funny, somebody that has a fever and need, or somebody that has a cut. Mm-hmm. And you expected them to do, do mm-hmm. drug testing and screening for other people. Yes, sir. And you expected them to answer the calls and deal with HR. And, mm-hmm. and you expect, you're expecting all this. This and is why I love my brother you know, Nelson and Mike right now. <laughs> Preach. And, you know, you, you need help. Yes. I mean, GM, they need help. Yes. <laughs> Please. We you all need you, help. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're hiring all these people to make the truck. Let's hire the folks that are, take care of the people that make the truck how many uh, uh, <laughs> uh, do you how many sick leaves a day do you guys have to process oh man dude that's I know a great at the question. beginning of the shift you guys normally oh. you're usually backlogged there for a couple hours I and this will answer two questions i'm glad you asked that because the worst time to reach medical is between shifts um when you have shift uh switch in between like anytime from first to second or uh line switch at all uh, from shift to shift usually that first hour to hour and a half we're slam busy because it's either return to works people have been off work for i've just had somebody come back that's been off for almost two years wow Uh, yeah i mean we and they just there's no appointment they just show up because Mm -hmm. their doctors have released them you know unless we check sedgwick here i'm I'm, when's the last time you've been to work brother sister oh it's about two years ago i'm like oh (laughs) lord and so as medical, we can't, when somebody's off for six months or longer, we have to have the plant physician see them. And it's just basically so, you know, you can follow them. And, and if there's any issues or problems, because let's face it, you're off work for over six months, your body's got to get transitioned back into that, that line work, you know, and that, that, you know, you may be off, you, you can pick it back up. But depending on what your ailment is, what you're off for, right. there's a little transition there from you being working and being line ready and, and being sedentary and not moving like you normally do when you work. Right. So uh, 
Yeah, they they have to see the plant physician, um, and then once they do that, and he believes they are they meet their return to work criteria, then we'll get them cleared back to working back in the system. But so the people should call at least three hours ahead of time. Oh, at the least beginning of the shift. Yes, absolutely. Call three hours ahead of time at least, or even like a day prior to, if like you know your doctor's releasing you, you know I'd say in the next 24, 48 hours, hey look, what do I need to do? Because this is the other flip side of not doing that. Um, some people have come off sick leave and just go right to work or right to the line. I cannot tell you how many people we've had. I'm just noticing in the past couple of years that haven't gotten paid for like a week or two because Sedgwick and HR still have them out. out. Exactly. And so they haven't cleared through medical where we've medically cleared them. And we take the paperwork and we send it over to HR saying, hey, we saw them. They're medically cleared. Put them back in Kronos, back active in the system. And then they can start paying them like they're on the clock. So. Mm. I actually just did a brother yesterday. I had to walk him over to benefits because he hadn't been paid in two weeks because wow. he just came back from the 31st of the holidays. Man, just start working. And he was like this. Oh, dang, I'm supposed to go to medical and clear? I was like, <laughs> so I cleared him and did it today. Sent it over to HR. And, you know, so hopefully he gets all of his pay. But he ain't got paid in two weeks because he didn't clear medical. I've never had a supervisor that's let me do that, though. Like, whenever I came back from sick leave, they always, did you go to medical? Nope. Okay, you need to go to medical first yep, thing. Absolutely, because they still have you coded as like whatever their code is for illness or being off. Right. And until they get that unlocked by HR, which is us, we'll go, okay, all right, put your information in the system. We'll print you off a piece of paper, give this to your boss. And that same piece of paper we're giving the employee to give to his boss is going over to HR saying, hey, they're clear today. And HR sees it and goes, okay, medical saw them. Then they unlock their code. They put them back active in the system. Um, is our plant doctor, is he only on day shift? No. Um, Dr. Price and I will take some ownership of bringing that gentleman over to uh, our medical facility. He was the head ER VA doctor for our veterans here in town. Um, I worked there 12 years part-time in the ER, uh, our Fort Wayne VA ER. Loved it. Love our veterans. And uh, that's probably some of the best work I think that I've done is, is being there. Learned a lot too, especially from him. And so when our previous physician prior to him left, because he's been with us now, Dr. Price, Steve Price, has been with us about six years. I said, hey, man, go ahead and put it in for the position. He's like, ah, I don't know. So go ahead and put it in. And he did, and he got it. And he treats our people with respect. I used to hear the previous doctors that we have, oh, he's just a company doctor, oh, he's this and that. I have not heard this about this man yet. Because when he, you come in, he goes, hey, I'm Dr. Price, how you doing? Going to have a seat, so tell me what's going on with you. I can repeat it because he did the same thing with our veterans. Hey, I'm Dr. Price. What's going on, man? How you doing? What's 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 happening today? I mean, he's just very polite. He just treats you like a, a just a good neighbor. Just a good. He's a good man. He does a good job. So um, I think our membership is very fortunate to have him, and he he really enjoys helping our members and being there for him. So. So before we close, then can you repeat the names of the, our current nurses that we have on each sure. ship? Oh, and, absolutely, uh, brother. Oh, so man. Tell us any going words that you have. Yes, absolutely. Um, yes, right now, and we've actually had a flux of uh, a couple different nurses on third ship because they've moved on to uh, different uh, career paths. But uh, one of our nurses left last year on third shift. She went to Florida and got a, a job in a surgery center. Um, so she's really happy. I talk with her from time to time, so she's pretty happy. She's gone. Um, so she got replaced with one of our part-time nurses, uh, Jennifer Jackson, who came from Lutheran, 
Jennifer Jackson stayed with us for about six months, and she just became the nursing supervisor in Arlington Assembly. <laughs> so she's there now. She's been there for the past couple of months. So now we have a new nurse now, Sandy Sullivan, who took her place. And uh, Sandy's great. Um, she's uh, got uh, experience from the hospitals, uh, working in ICU and in the med surge and different areas like there. So she's a great asset for us. And she's on third shift with uh, Lisa Leffers. She's our other third shift nurse. Lisa's been with us for now eight, nine years. She came from Marion. Uh, stamping uh, about 45 minutes away from us there so uh, she came there and came uh, with us here on third shift and she's been there since she does a great job for us very knowledgeable um, on second shift uh, we have Greg Bryan uh, Greg's a young guy he's like 34 35 I'm sorry Greg if I'm messing up he's a young fellow um, I'm 51 so I can say that um, <laughs> but uh, yeah he's been with us for several years now and he came from Parkview Hospital as well um, great guy, uh, very cool hand. I call him Cool Hand Luke sometimes, man. He's just smooth. Great guy. Um, he's got two little guys at home as well, and his wife. So he, he's a great guy. And then we have uh, Kim Del Rimple. Um, she was one of our part-time nurses. One of our nurses retired. Dale did. He retired last year. Uh, so uh, Kim uh, took his position. And she's been doing a fantastic job. She did dialysis prior to uh, coming to us, so um, she saw some of our sickest uh, family members and friends who have to deal with dialysis machines and getting their uh, their kidneys cleaned out. And um, she did that for several years, and uh, so she's been a huge asset for us because she brings a great understanding and compassion to helping people too. And you can see it. Um, and then me and Shelly um, are on day shift. Uh, Shelly's been there just a year shorter than me. Um, I got 26 years, she has 25. Yeah. Um, so we started off together on a second shift. We did that for almost 10 years. And then we, the last uh, 16 years, up 10 years, we've uh, been on day shift. And so, uh, yeah, I, I tell you what, if it's not for her, man, I don't know. I, besides loving my brothers and sisters at UAW, <laughs> I might be gone. But uh, no, I'm just joking, man. I, hey, I, uh, it's like a family. It's it, honestly, easy. it is. It, it, it's, it's easy because you, you argue about stuff, man, but it's almost like we can finish each other's sentences. Mm. I'll say something, and before I finish it, she's already said it, and vice versa. Mm. And it's just a great partnership. Um, nobody I'd really rather work with on day. She's phenomenal. So uh, it's been a blessing, brother. I am very fortunate and being fortunate to be a UAW member, being part of this family. Um, just It's just afforded me a lot of uh, social networking and support, and it's been wonderful. All right. Yeah. So thanks for being here. Yeah, man. I appreciate you thanks. guys. Thank you. I really appreciate you being here. Yeah, man. Absolutely, brother. Thank you. All right, everyone. Have a great day. Yeah.